Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me, SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. I encourage you to follow the social media. I'm going to be giving away a book um, of my last uh, uh, guest that I had on. Her name is Anita Kopash. She wrote a book called Shallow Waters, so you want to keep an eye out for that. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. Well, today I'm going to be speaking about a topic that a lot of people may throw around, you know, oh, my God, that person's schizophrenic. Oh, my God. Like any little thing, you know, just to, I guess, in a negative to debate somebody. But really, what is schizophrenia? What does that mean? Can somebody have a job and they have schizophrenia? Um, When does it start? Um, You know, what is the treatment for it? Um, How can family and friends be supportive? All these things I think are important to know about. So I have a guest who is a specialist. He's the clinical director of the Johns Hopkins Schizophrenia Center and a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. His name is Dr. Russell Margolis. I think this is him on the line. Dr. Yes, Margolis? I'm here. Yes. Hi, thank you, you so much me? for calling in today. My pleasure. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Very good. Very okay. good. So you are like the effort. I need a doctor. You sound like the guy I should come to. You're the director of the Johns Hopkins Schizophrenia Center. Let me ask you, how did you get interested in focusing on schizophrenia? I've had a long-term interest in individuals who have the most severe forms of mental illness. I think uh, on the one hand, these are individuals who often um, suffer the most. Uh, there are many times people who have, uh, by dint of their illness, um, few resources available to them. And it is, I think, imperative to, on the one hand, try and provide the best possible care for people who are really often greatly suffering, and at the same time try and find ways to improve that quality of care, be it better medicines or better other forms of treatment or better advice. It's amazing. Um, I remember looking for a doctor to come on the show, and, you know, it's very hard to find people, I guess, who focus on this topic um, or feel comfortable maybe speaking about it. I'm not sure. So I was very happy to um, find you and and your um press the media people to connect us. I'd like to shed light on things that people are really using inappropriately, the, the, the term schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. I've been reading about it myself, and I see that it starts 
when people are younger, um, how young um, does it start, and what are the signs of schizophrenia when it starts? Well, it typically starts in late teens and then uh, often into the early 20s, somewhat earlier in men than in women, though there are exceptions mm. of individuals where there's onset in earlier childhood, though the diagnosis then I think is often quite difficult to make. And there are individuals who develop schizophrenia late in life, though it looks a little bit different for them. And the onset can take one of a a couple different forms. Most commonly, it's a gradual process developing over months to years. An individual may have depressive symptoms They may become more socially isolated. They may just seem a bit different to their family and friends, though it's often not clear what that difference is. And then it um, evolves into the uh, full-blown clinical syndrome. Occasionally, there's a more rapid onset. Now, you know, when we see the movies, television shows, schizophrenia, I automatically would think of somebody with 6,000 different personalities or something. Oh, um, yeah, that. You know, that, 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 is, that is what people think when, you know, oh, they're talking yeah. uh, with another voice. Um, and there's never a thought of somebody living a life that everybody's always institutionalized. Let me ask you this. Why do we think that there are people with multiple personalities and schizophrenia? Is that true? Does that really happen? No, those are um, totally unre- unrelated issues that have somehow mm. become joined through various errors of, uh, in the culture and popularization of different terms and misuses of various terms. So that's the first thing that I want to put to rest. Multiple personality disorder, which is a problematic subject in and of itself because it's often induced in people has nothing to do with schizophrenia let's so let's take okay. that one off the table um and, all right off which is table. really helpful so, <laughs> yep now and, how do doctors so diagnose it if i go to a doctor and, and 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 what kind of doctor should i go to because they're psychologists they're psychiatrists um and then there are people who are therapists like for example i could be a therapist i'm a licensed social worker or i could be a licensed sure. clinical social worker um who should they go see, and how does that person diagnose that the person has schizophrenia? Well, let's talk about the diagnosis first, and that will segue into where a person uh, could go to seek care or a diagnosis for schizophrenia. Ultimately, there is no test. There is no brain image. There's no blood test. There's no genetic test says schizophrenia, yes or no. It's a diagnosis made clinically based on a person's history, what they and others who know them well can account, uh, recount about how uh, they have behaved and felt and mm-hmm. thought over a period of time, and the examination of the person's mental state in front of the clinician. What is that person like? Are they disordered in their thinking? Do they have hallucinations and delusions and the like? Subjects we can get into more later. And so those, that diagnosis then can be made 
uh, by any experienced clinician, most commonly it's psychiatrists, because one of the things that we want to do uh, is make sure that there's not some medical cause uh, that is accounting for the symptoms. For example, okay. uh, other, other disorders can look like schizophrenia, at least in part. Um, advanced stages of syphilis, for instance, were um, more common earlier, uh, 100 years ago, but can mimic schizophrenia. Mm. So one wants to do a test of, for syphilis to make sure a person doesn't have syphilis. Um, occasionally, people are acutely delirious, confused, from a medical condition or uh, substance use, and that can sometimes mimic schizophrenia. Very rarely, uh, something like a brain tumor could conceivably mimic schizophrenia. Um, that's unlikely, but possible. And usually there are ways uh, it, it's manifest, any tumor like that is manifest in other ways uh, that would give clues, but one wants okay. to think about it at least. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that suggests, that leads to the um, idea that uh, a psychiatrist who's a physician and is trained to recognize these other possibilities and to test for them is a good way to start for an individual seeking confirmation or disconfirmation of the diagnosis of schizophrenia. But any mental health clinician uh, certainly... Um, with the right experience can detect the symptoms pretty reliably and make a pretty uh, a diagnosis that is likely to be accurate. Now, I've read that, you know, people get shock therapy. Is that archaic or is that something that's still actually happening today that shock therapy is used to help people with schizophrenia? It is much more common. Shock therapy, or what may be better termed electroconvulsive treatment, is primarily used for severe depression where it can be life-saving. Um, mm. It is um, much less frequently used for schizophrenia. Occasionally, it's helpful in people with schizophrenia who also have uh, prominent mood symptoms or in individuals with schizophrenia where other treatment measures have not been successful. Um, occasionally it can be helpful. So it's not a mainstream treatment for schizophrenia, but there are times when it's appropriate. That's another one of those myths that you see on TV and the movies where they're strapping somebody down to a table yeah. and, you know, connecting them. It's really and they're like, you know, go ahead. They're screaming and they're thrashing and it looks like something out of a movie. Um, out of a mm -hmm. Frankenstein movie or something. Exactly. In fact, uh, yeah, that's really unfortunate. Um, ECT is done in what looks like a surgical suite. People are um, given appropriate anesthesia. They're, they don't experience pain. Um, and for the right people, usually, again, people, most commonly people with depression, it can be tremendously valuable uh, with minimal side effects in many people. But really for schizophrenia, not... not um, a central part of the treatment. Now, um, I see that there's also a now injectable medications, long-acting injectables. Can you talk about those that may help someone? Yeah, with a, a schizophrenia? That's a, it's, a, it's a good point. Well, it gets back to the general issue of medicines for schizophrenia. And for most people with schizophrenia, medicines um, are necessary to keep symptoms under control. And 
Um, symptoms that are troubling to people include hallucinations, most commonly voices that they hear, delusions, that is ideas, often that they're being persecuted or that people are talking about them or that something bad is happening around them that can be extremely distressing and, and also lead people uh, to function much less than they might otherwise uh, be able to. Um, mm -hmm. And also people with schizophrenia can have disorder, it's called thought disorders, the, the clinical term, where their thinking is scrambled and confused and it's often difficult for them to communicate. And so medicines are extremely helpful for these symptoms and there are available in the United States over 20 different uh, kinds of anti, they're called antipsychotic medicines, um, just as a class, though they're quite different one from another, um, that treat people with schizophrenia and also other disorders too. And um, these pills are quite helpful. But it turns out for some people, they forget to take their pills um, or they don't have, um, they're kind of amb ambivalent about taking medicine. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. the illness includes, part of a symptom of the illness often is a belief that the person isn't ill. And so a long-acting injectable medicine can get over some of those problems for people. So some of the pills, it's the same pills available, antipsychotics, a handful of them are available right. in a long-acting form. And many patients find it's more convenient just to get an injection about once a month. Um, and it often takes pressure off families who are trying to persuade the person, their family member with schizophrenia, to take the pill, and they have the families feel an obligation to monitor um, uh, taking the the pill every day, and it creates tension, and this just takes that off the takes it off the table, and so everyone knows the person's getting um, suitable medicine treatment, and then the focus can turn elsewhere. Um, if a person isn't yeah. doing well, what else can be done to be of help? Now, is talk therapy and what type of talk therapy would be helpful? Because I know uh, I had a good friend who was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and she, so you had, she had to, she went to a psychologist as well as a psychiatrist. Is that a regular type of thing you see in your practice, or is that something unusual that people with schizophrenia may see a, a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Oh, I think that that should be the state of the art. Whether it's a psychologist or another experienced therapist um, or the psychiatrist themselves um, is less important than the therapist's um, uh, familiarity with working with somebody with a severe form of mental illness. But the evidence is quite clear that people with schizophrenia do better with a combination of medicine and therapy. The therapy isn't the kind of thing where you're asking somebody, you know, what happened at age three that you observed between your mother and father that made you um, rebel against your parents when you were five years old? Not that kind of therapy. It's really much more practical. Some mm -hmm. um, therapists find cognitive behavioral therapy to be quite effective uh, in, for um, some individuals with schizophrenia. For instance, helping a person with schizophrenia, just like anybody else, set life goals, figure out how they're going to accomplish these goals, help the person uh, overcome obstacles to obtaining the goals that the person themselves has set, and in the case of somebody with schizophrenia, the obstacles might be in part the schizophrenia itself. So little mm. things like a person who's hearing voices speaking to them may 
um, speak back to the voices, and a person can learn speaking back to the voices in a public setting is likely going to lead to them being stigmatized and to recognize that it's not helpful to talk back to the voices, at least in a public setting, and to practice how not to do that. That would be one example of therapy. Therapy can also be very supportive. For some individuals who are quite severely incapacitated with schizophrenia, um, it's very important that they manage the health system um, for routine medical care or the um, disability benefit system. And that system is confusing for anybody and for somebody Very who, confusing. You know, it's very, very confusing, confusing for it a lot of people. The paperwork they need, you have to get this sign-off, you got to get this referral. Exactly. And imagine someone handling their own mental health at the same time of, like, which paperwork I'm supposed to bring at which time and for how many days ahead of time. And then, well, you really only get four or six sessions under this plan, if you want more, then you're going to have to pay $40 or $50 copay because, you know, mental health, even though it should be parity against that in physical health, it's still this specialist, you know, that I'm, I'm so considered it's, going to. We don't really have a system. We have a non-system or a, we have a chaos <laughs> system. And, and so yeah. for a person who's struggling with um, their thought processes as it is, um, and and have, has a suspicion about what's going on around them, it's all the harder. So good therapy might also include helping a person negotiate the system. Um, in some cases, patients with schizophrenia benefit from mobile treatment services that come to them rather than them going to a clinic. Um, mm-hmm. And in some circumstances, with the right resources, um, Mobile treatment teams can bring patients to their appointments, can bring them for um, various kinds of rehabilitative services, help them manage um, confounding factors like substance use and the like, uh, or or family um, crises that can all further impede on their mental health while the mental health issues are making those issues worse. So it can be a vicious circle, and patients with the proper support can help get out of those vicious circles. Now, you work at this um, John Hopkins Center, and I noticed that you guys have an epic outpatient care, early psychosis intervention clinic. Can you tell us a little bit about that clinic? Sure. Um, it has been recognized over the last 15 or 20 years that tense early intervention in people with schizophrenia is of considerable value in helping people who are just at the early stages of the illness get back on their uh, normal life trajectory, if you will. And so around the country now, an increasing number of these centers uh, are um, emerging, several hundred, I think, across the country. And the idea is to provide much more intense services than typical mental health treatment might be. A typical clinic might have a psychiatrist who works on the medicine end of things and then the patient would also have a therapist of a social worker or a licensed clinical therapist or a psychologist who works closely in a team with the psychiatrist comparing notes weekly on how um, patients are doing and there are often um, peer support specialists 
who have had the illness themselves and are at a point of recovery and can help guide an individual who's newly developed the illness, and job coaches or um, school intervention services, essentially, so that uh, it's really an intense, multi-pronged approach to helping an individual newly diagnosed with schizophrenia get on track with their lives. Now, you said something interesting there. You said, before we go on, you said something interesting about jobs in schools. Now, again, I'm going back to the myth. Somebody has schizophrenia. There's no way they're going to hold a job down. Um, How can somebody go to school and have schizophrenia? What have you seen? Um, Is is there a certain stage of schizophrenia that allows someone to be able to work? Or is, is there someone who's, like, too far gone in the sense where they're probably not going to be able to hold a job? How is that kind of determined or, 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 or evaluated, so to speak? There's a great deal of individual difference. And, and some people with schizophrenia, for example, respond better than others to medicines. And some people are lucky to have uh, strong family support, are lucky to be in areas where there's strong system or the system is better at least than in other places so mm-hmm. that the odds can be stacked in favor of some individuals over another uh, being able to succeed either in school or in employment. And so while many individuals with schizophrenia indeed um, end up not being able to hold down full-time work or to complete school, that's by no means a given. And with the right mm-hmm. support and um, proper use of medicines, um, minimizing substance use that interferes with everything, um, many individuals, not all, but many individuals can in fact lead um, lives that are more or less independent, some completely independent, families, jobs, um, like anybody else. Um, that may be a minority, but it's possible. And then there's a lot of um, variation in between. But Having the uh, diagnosis of schizophrenia is not paramount to saying this person will never do anything, cannot accomplish something, cannot lead a meaningful life. That's that's a myth. Yeah, that's good to hear, though, because you know a lot of people are probably dealing with that and thinking once they got diagnosed, well, that's it. I'm 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 going to be like sitting in my house all day, or going to be institutionalized eventually, or something like that. Now, one of the organizations I've dealt with, the National Alliance on Mental Health Illness, is a really great organization that helps people with all types of mental illness. They also help their families. They have support groups for families, um, a whole bunch of lots of great things with them. NAMI, again, is the name of the group, N-A-M-I dot O-R-G. You can check out their website to see um, things that are happening. They have different chapters around the country. They're a great organization. Now, in terms of um, your center at Johns Hopkins, um, how can somebody go there or be evaluated there? Can they just call? Do they have to have a certain type of insurance? Is insurance accepted there? Like, what's the process to be seen at your center? We have a variety of uh, different sorts of clinics. We've mentioned our early uh, onset clinic, our early psychosis intervention clinic. We actually have two of those, depending on uh, partly depending on insurance and patients' needs. We also have clinics for adult, and the best way to reach us is through um, uh, 
either the Johns Hopkins Bayview site um, and the community psychiatry program at Johns Hopkins Bayview is where we have most of our outpatient clinics, also community psychiatry at Johns Hopkins Hospital itself. There's a variety of different ways. We see people in consultation as well, uh, which we find is quite valuable because some people with schizophrenia or being treated elsewhere just need a little bit of extra advice, and some people don't have schizophrenia, um, we find, mm. or people who are thriving or the other way around. And so often having a, an expert consultation can be quite valuable. I've heard something. Uh, oh, you know, let's see. We have a call in here. Let's see if they have a question. Um, you're on the line now. Do you have a question for Dr. Margolis? Uh Actually, I do. Uh, first comment is uh, I've uh, been responsible for employing people with disabilities, and that included individuals who have schizophrenia as well as other uh, disorders. And I found they were successful as long as they maintained uh, pro- their protocol with respect to their taking their medication. And oftentimes uh, when the situation became too overwhelming for them, if they did not do that, then they experienced a uh, job jeopardy scenario. Now, my other comment uh, for you or question for you, Doctor, is um, – for someone who's still uh, somewhat delusional and, and hearing voices, but they're compliant with their medication and so forth, uh, because this is a different, difficult scenario for families, and, and families often become fearful, they became, become drained, they're fatigued because of the perhaps situations of noncompliance or just overall management of the personality and integration of that person into the family. How do you make that step or begin that dialogue with that person to get them to think about becoming uh, independent of the family uh, that they're comfortable with and perhaps moving into their own residence or into a residence where they have some supervision with regards to their medication and so forth? How do you begin that discussion? Oh, that's an excellent question because many families... Thank you so much for calling uh, in. Okay. Many families face dilemma of a family member who's just not flourishing at home, family member with schizophrenia who's not flourishing at home. There's conflict. There's disagreement about rules uh, of the household. And it is indeed the case that um, people with in families in that situation may all, including their family or schizophrenia, may do better with the person with schizophrenia living elsewhere. And I think that's a conversation not just with the person with schizophrenia, but with the entire family. And it has to include all sorts of factors. Um, are there aspects of the treatment itself that could be better that would um, mitigate the need for a change? Is the person with schizophrenia interested in moving out are there resources in a particular community that can support the person in some form of assisted living facility where they have independence but some support? And um, some families are faced with the question of basically tough versus tender love. Do they get strict and say, you follow the rules of our household or you have to leave? The rules might be you take your medicines, you don't smoke in the house, whatever the family rules is. Or families may decide to put up with um, behavior that is distressing to them, fearing that 
the outcome of making a family member leave with a family member with schizophrenia leave might be devastating. And there's no right or wrong answer. That's all individualized to a particular family and circumstance and family values, community support available, what a treatment team in an area can offer. So it's a great question, but one without a specific answer because it has to be individualized to the family and the person with schizophrenia. Thank you. That was um, really helpful because a lot of people do have families, and like you said, they may have supports, but how to support that person without you, you know, losing your mind, so to speak, and um, your whole existence becoming, you know, uprooted or a disarray. Um, I always wondered if somebody who had schizophrenia, you know, based on the movie stereotype, they're, they're hearing voices and um, they're also different personalities. But then there, I always like, is there the other side that is looking at themselves saying, why am I doing this? Why is this happening to me? And, you know, like the inner voice. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any truth to that type of view? Like when somebody, can they see themselves acting out certain things or see themselves behaving a certain way but just are unable to stop themselves? Is that something that you see, Dr. Margolis, in your, in your treatment? Each person is different in that regard. There are some okay. people with schizophrenia who are very aware that they're not functioning as well as they used to. Um, one of the aspects of schizophrenia is usually a level of cognition drops somewhat at the onset of the illness and never quite recovers. Mm. They recognize they're not as sharp what they were doing before, say, in school, uh, becomes more difficult and it's frustrating and they know something is wrong and they recognize that they're ill, that the voices are troubling them, that these ideas that they keep having are getting them into difficulty or leading them to um, see the world in a distorted way and have quite a bit of awareness of that, um, which is very distressing. Um, others do not have that awareness and view all, all of what's going on as external to them. Someone else is doing this to me. If they would stop mm. doing it, I would do better. So it varies greatly um, from individual to individual. Hopefully with treatment, it can move toward an individual having some self-recognition and then with self-recognition to help the person um, not become demoralized. This has been amazing, um, Dr. Uh, Russell Margolis from the Johns Hopkins Schizophrenia Center and I really appreciate you coming on. I hope that this has been helpful to everyone who's been listening. Dr. Margolis, um, thank you again for coming on the show this morning and sharing your knowledge. Uh, I'm happy to do so. And it's a very, it's a devastating disease, yet one where there's still hope. And so we want to do everything we can for individuals with the illness and their families. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You have a great weekend, okay? Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, Again, if you missed the beginning of this um, show, you can always listen. All the shows are archived, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. And you can also, I post the links afterwards many times of past shows, so you can click on those links and go, you know, listen to the beginning of the show. You can share them with friends and family anywhere in the world to um, they can listen to these shows you can follow me on twitter at joy keys also check me out on facebook saturday mornings with joy keys and on instagram saturdays with joy keys 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support. And I hope the shows have been helpful. And also, follow me this weekend. I'm going to be giving away a book by Anita Kopash called Shallow Waters. And you want to check that book out, and um, you might want to give it as a present. A lot of times people get gifts, and they get them early in the year. And I never understood those people because I just couldn't do it. I usually wait till like, December to start buying gifts. But, look, if you win a book and you got a lot of books, you can just give that book away to somebody as a present or a birthday present or anniversary. You never know. So follow me on social media. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Every year, millions of Americans are exposed to a contagious virus. What is this virus? It's stigma. Stigma promotes an environment of shame, fear, and silence, which prevents millions of people from seeking help. But there's good news. The National Alliance on Mental Illness believes stigma towards mental illness is 100% curable. So do yourself and everyone a favor. Go to CureStigma.org and get tested for stigma. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.